Shalom. So, last week, or last episode, depends how you're watching this, um, we spoke about Rambam's definition of kavanah in prayer. Rambam was speaking about this mental attunement with, uh, with the divine, and the mind has to be empty of thought. Uh, one should see themselves as if standing before the divine presence. And he speaks about uh, preparing for one hour before the prayer and taking one hour after the prayer. And it's a very, very, very high uh, a definition of, of what is kavanah. And it's especially powerful because he says that if you didn't have this kavanah, your prayer doesn't count. It's not considered prayer at all. Um, there's all sorts of other things. You know, if you didn't stand up during prayer, if you didn't face Jerusalem and all sorts of other things, those are not optional, but recommended. But it's still prayer if you don't do them. But without kavanah, it's not prayer. Now, this week, I want to look at something a little bit different from a different perspective. Um, and we're going to put Rambam to the side for now. And I want to read a few other works that talk about kavanah today, right? Each one is going to talk about their own today. Um, and I have to say, we started this shiur. This is the summary of a shiur, uh, of, a, of a Torah study class. We started the class by looking at the video of a mechanical monk from the 16th century Italy. Um, and it's a clockwork monk that's wound up and goes around kind of beating its heart and speaking and nodding and praying, basically, okay? And we discussed whether or not that is prayer, that counts as prayer. Even imagine if it was more advanced and was able to actually say the text of the, of the Amida prayer, right? Is that prayer or not? And what, if not, why not? And if yes, what makes it prayer? Um, and we were trying to figure out what's, like, if it's not, then what's just above that? What's the minimum definition of what is prayer? Um, we read in the Shulchan Aruch, um, it gives a very long definition. It says, uh, one who prays needs to have kavanah in their heart. They have to intend the meaning of the words which are coming out of their mouth. They should think that it is as if the divine presence is before them and remove all distracting thoughts from themselves until their thoughts and intention are pure in their prayer. Uh, and so on and so on and so on. He speaks, uh, he says, some people transcend their body and their, their body falls away. Uh, until they come to a level of prophecy. Um, and if another thought comes into your mind during prayer, you should be silent until it goes away and you should humble your heart and so on and so on and so on. Okay, that's all paragraph one of chapter 98 of the first part of the Shulchan Aruch. 
Okay, it sounds like very, very high level, a bit like rum bum. Until you get to the second paragraph. Second paragraph says, um, it starts by saying, one should not pray in a place where, there's some, where there is something that will ruin one's concentration and not at a time that will ruin one's concentration. And nowadays, we are not careful about any of this. Since we do not have such good kavana during prayers, and this is great. This is uh, like in the second paragraph, it just says, "Oh, by the way, all the amazing things I just said about kavana don't apply anymore because we don't have it." In the past, they used to have kavana, and now we don't have kavana. Okay, kol kach We don't. We're not able to do kavana so well, right? It's not, absolutely not, but we're not so good. Okay, and it's a big question. What is, what's now and who are we? And is he just describing a situation or is he, uh, is he saying essentially the, the people of this generation cannot have kavana? Okay, uh, and we have that later on. Uh, in another place in the Shulchan Aruch, where um, where it says, if you didn't have kavana in the first blessing of the Amidah, of the of the prayer, um, you should repeat the prayer. And that's commented on by the Rama, by Rabbi Moshe Esselis in the 16th century in Krakow, who says. Nowadays, that doesn't apply. Nowadays, we don't need to return to repeat the prayer when it's due to lack of kavana, because even if you repeat the prayer, you won't have kavana the second time either. Okay, so the Ramah is saying again, now all these laws about kavana don't apply. We don't have kavana. Now and we. I'll give you one more example. Okay. 14th century. This is the Tour writing, the Tour um, Yaakov ben Asher. Um, he writes, he quotes all sorts of um, rabbis from the Talmud who had Kavanah, and then he quotes a German rabbi who, who doesn't. <laughs> Rabbi Chanina, he says, Rabbi Chanina would not pray on the day on which he was angry. Rabbi Eliezer said, after returning from a journey, don't pray for three days. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yose, the Galilean, says, even someone who's just upset shouldn't pray. Shmuel would not pray in a house of beer because of the distracting smell. Rav Papa would not pray in a house with fish. Rabbi Meir of Rothenburg wrote, Nowadays, we don't follow any of these practices because we don't have so much kavana in our prayers anyway. You see what's happening here? He, he quotes all these rabbis who had very high levels of kavana and would um, make sure they were never distracted. And then he says, nowadays, in Germany, we don't do any of this. We don't, it doesn't matter if we're in a place that smells like fish because we don't have kavana anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, 
We, we find this also in the Talmud Yerushalmi, actually. Um, Talmud Yerushalmi, it talks about also the rabbis, again, speaking about their prayer life. And they say all sorts of, of uh, surprising things. Okay. Rabbi Chia Ruba said, I've never had kavana in my life. Except for once, I tried to have kavana, and then I wondered, oh, I wonder who will stand in front of the king first, a kabsa or the head of the Jewish community? He tried to have kavana once in his life, and immediately he had some kind of political thoughts that came into his head. He was thinking about gossip news. Shmuel said, I continue, Shmuel said, I sometimes count birds while I pray. Rabbi Bon, son of Chia, said, I sometimes count rows of bricks. Rabbi Matania said, I am grateful to my head because when it reaches the blessing of Modim, it bows down by itself. And this is great because Modim is a prayer of thanks and acknowledgement. Right? It's like the epitome of meaning what you say is thanking and Rabbi Matania said, ah, and the, tr the practice is to bow down in that blessing of, of the prayer of Modim. And Rabbi Matania says, yeah, I am so thankful to my head because when my head is praying and my head reaches the blessing of Modim, my head bows down. And it, there's this amazing split here between I and, let's call it me, <laughs> I am grateful to my head, right? I am grateful to the me that is praying, but I notice that, okay? So I am not that body that is praying. And in order to understand this and not just find it, I don't know, either funny or tragic, that all these people are saying that, yeah, there's just no, we can't reach Kavanaugh these days. Um, I wanted to look at some comment on the Shulchan Aruch, which at first glance sounds very superstitious and again, kind of ridiculous or funny. Um, this is quoted by, by many different uh, sources. I'm quoting here from the Be'er HaTev. The Be'er HaTev is quoting from an earlier, uh, say, mystical book called Sefer Hagan. And it says, in the Sefer Hagan, it is written that in order to cancel out a distracting thought that comes during prayer, one should say PPP three times and then spit three times. The spitting shouldn't be total, but just a soft spitting with the tongue between the lips at the moment of spitting. After this, the distracting thought will surely disappear. Now, what do we make of this? Either we could say, okay, this is a kind of magic um, spell, <laughs> right? To regain kavana when a distraction comes into the mind. I'd like to suggest that actually this is almost the, the key to understanding what is kavana. Um, because 
even without looking at the content of the ritual, right? We have this con- this strange ritual of saying PPP and spitting. But what has to happen in order for that ritual to take, to take place? You have to notice that you don't have kavana, right? Again, there's a kind of, there's a, a reflection, there's a self-reflection where something in you sees that the thoughts are not the right ones. And I think being aware of which thoughts are in our mind is the first step to kavana, or maybe is itself kavana, right? right? Kavana is the directions. If, if you're able to direct your thoughts, even at the point of saying, I don't want this thought, this is the wrong thought at the moment, then suddenly you regain the I that can say that. And having that I is, is being the self. This is, that's the, the difference between someone who prays and a clockwork monk that goes around and does the motions of prayer. Being able to notice, it's not even to mean what you say in prayer, but it's to notice that you are praying. So I think, again, this is a very um, rich field for thinking about thinking. We've only scratched the surface and we'll carry on next week. Thank you very much and bye-bye.